Good evening, everybody. This is Chris McDonald coming to you live from Great Falls Wealth Management here in Rockingham, North Carolina. We're here tonight with our good friend, mayor extraordinaire, um, historian extraordinaire, John Hutchinson, mayor of the town of Rockingham. John's going to be joining us here in just a second. Uh, we're going to talk to him about several different things that are going on in here in Rockingham and, you know, throughout the area and in the county. So, uh, so we're looking forward to uh, to doing that. Uh, we are, as I said, we're on location. John's office is amazing with all of the different intricate uh, pictures and just hoi polloi almost would be almost, <laughs> would be almost a way to say it. But uh, you see everything in here from old bricks from Rockingham Junior High to a planter of a uh, of a from tobacco from the tobacco days of Richmond County to uh you know multiple multiple pictures and and different other trinkets as i said um he's an interesting person and i'm happy to call him a friend for over 40 years and uh let's uh let's call john in now and meet him john chris i, I see you good to see you thank you well john you've been mayor now for uh for almost three years um, going, you know, just starting your your second term here, but yeah, through your through uh, beginning your second term. Um, what did you learn in your first term, and uh, what uh, what have you learned, you know, second time through the through the batting order, so to speak? Just really beginning the second time, so I think I could speak best to what I learned in the first term, and that's uh, you learn a lot about how things work. I'd been on council for a long time before, but you learn differently and more, I think, as mayor, because you're more directly involved with a lot of things. But I think the most important and interesting thing is just you meet more people and you get involved in more parts of the town. And uh, that's been a really rewarding thing in the first term and continuing into the second term. Because I know since uh, I came back um, a year or so ago, that um, there's been a lot, uh, a strong push for uh, for revitalization, uh, for uh, for really making uh, Rockingham uh, even a stronger portion. It is the county seat, but it's all, but it also is is getting a lot more of development, getting getting folks uh, more interested in going in goings on than festivals and whatnot. You know, going on downtown, uh, rebuilding downtown. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of things that you've kind of had your have your fingers in all the way around the, the the community. Sure. Well, that's the good thing about a smaller community. You know, we're ninety five hundred people here, give or take, so you can be directly involved in a lot of things. I mean, it's a smaller area, so you can be more hands on. There is a lot happening in our downtown area, and then uh, even with the shopping centers as well with some redevelopment and some new chains coming in in the shopping center area. We think about, it's one we're already taking for granted, but Starbucks right. making it to, to right. Rockingham and Richmond County about a year ago. Uh, Jersey Mike's, that was part of that same redevelopment. Um, and we're seeing some uh, applications for additional redevelopment of some older retail property uh, in that part of Rockingham. So that's good. But then the, the core of the city, of course, is our downtown area. And that's the older part of the, the city as well. And gosh, we're continuing an effort that began, I would say, two decades ago to do a lot of key redevelopment down there and had a lot of success. And we've had some really wonderful partners who've made that possible. I think about one thing that Rockingham has that a lot of other communities don't. 
and that's the two foundations. We have two rather large uh, charitable foundations that pump a lot of money into our community each year. And together, they've allowed us to build a children's museum. They've allowed us to build a an extension of the community college in downtown. They've allowed us to um, renovate and uh, acquire in a couple of situations as well, but acquire and renovate some older properties and convert them into more modern uses. So it's been a combination of a lot of creativity on behalf, on behalf of the city staff and a lot of support from those foundations. And it's just bringing the partners together. Right. And, and trying to get the right people together to, to and, or, and ones who have the same goals that you do and, and seeing the, the area grow and and prosper and get back to to what it was in the in the in you know the 40s the 50s and 60s and whatnot right yeah and and that's really the goal it's to bring a lot of life back to the older downtown area and you know i mentioned the relationships and the importance of good relationships it's it's having a good relationship with discovery place museum out of charlotte and working with them to locate here even outside the downtown area development of a couple of parks um, Henson Lake is something that the city was able to work um, together with uh, the North Carolina Wildlife Group and again with the foundations and with the Rotary Club to make that a usable public park. Um, Hitchcock Creek, we have uh, that wonderful creek mm -hmm. running through the middle of town um, with virtually undisturbed banks, just very natural, very beautiful area. We worked with American Rivers on that. So again, it's it's finding partners. It's working with our constant partners, the foundations, and then finding additional partners like American Rivers, like North Carolina Wildlife, like Discovery Place, like Richmond Community College, and and working toward a common goal. You've never been afraid to ask the, the questions, why or how? Why is that? <laughs> uh, that's true. Um, yeah, I think that's how you learn things. Yeah. Um, I think you always have to have an inquisitive mind. You always have to to wonder how things work or whether we can make things better or whether we can change our approach to something. I mean, that that's how we grow. And you had a great podcast on growth last Thank week. Thank you. And we could take that in some additional directions about a growth mindset where you approach things as challenges that you can rise to or you can look at them as obstacles that you can never confront. So growth mindset says, let's let's find a way. Let's ask questions. Let's find a way to make this work. Right. One of the things that I was taught by a dear friend of mine, Charlene Hurst, who's a the LPGA pro over at um, Whispering Pines, she always she taught me. She said the way that you learn how to play golf is you learn it from the green back to the tee. OK, because you're always keeping the keeping the result at the front of your mind. You know, the result, get the lowest score somehow. And they, and and when I had given lessons in the past, I had always you know done that. We start with the putting, then we go to the chipping and then we go out to the shots from the fairway and then the shots. from. The, but with always the end in mind. And that's, you know, kind of what I've seen. Uh, I know that we have have a, a lovely, lovely lady and a lovely group of friends, um, Ms. Dr. Wanda Walsh-Bivy, yes. who has really, uh, who who was actually my first interview when I came back to town. 
Uh, she uh, she is a delight to be around. Just uh, lights up the room when she comes in, and she she uh, she and Bruce Stanback and our our lovely friends Amy and Farah from from uh, Habitat for Humanity, and and a, a lot of others whose names I, I I can't recall, but there's just so many to to recall. Uh, are in the process of trying to develop some areas and redevelop some areas down on East Washington Street, and and that just having you know getting those six people or eight people together to do that that's what it takes and and that's where service comes in sure that's that's building the new relationships it's finding the new partners there's i, I listened to that in your podcast last week about you know beginning with with i guess the final putt mm-hmm. um, i'm not a golfer right. as you know but um beginning with uh with the final putt and stephen covey wrote a wonderful book years ago Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm-hmm. And one of the habits is begin with the end in mind. Correct. It's uh, know where you're headed and work backward from there. Same idea, whether applied to sports or whether applied to local projects. Or man or wealth management or anything of the sort. Sure, absolutely. You you always, if you know where you are going, you, you can plot your route to get there. And you know how to pivot or change when you encounter an obstacle somewhere along the way. Right. The obstacle doesn't become the end. It becomes just a challenge toward that known goal. It's never a straight line. There's always some curves. And, and well, when you play golf, it's a straight line yeah, isn't well, it, all the time. <laughs> not, if I, not if I'm hitting it, that's for sure. Um, what do you where does this come from? What does this come from? The stuff that uh, your parents taught you about, you know, about, about wanting to 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 be a leader, to be uh, someone who works in service to, to, to help to help folks. Is that, does that come from your mom and dad? I think that's probably right. And today actually would be my father's 94th birthday. Oh, wow. So how about that? Yes, how about that? Serendipitous. He believed very strongly in community service. And uh, my mother, of course, devoted her life to young readers as a librarian at the junior high school and and loved that role and believed in in that as a real service to right. other people. Um, I went to Davidson College undergrad. Right. And they had a really strong undercurrent there. It was never taught directly, but it was something that you sort of understood was expected. And that was that you would take what you learned, you would take the the skills and the talents that that they developed in you, and you would use them for the good of the community somehow. Right. So there was always an idea that you're supposed to to serve the community and to try to make the world a better place, right. at least in the area that you serve. Right. And having attended East Carolina, that's that actually is our motto, severe to serve. I mean, that's the one of the things that, again, it's an undercurrent. It's not it's it's not broadcast, as it were, but it's but it's 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 an undercurrent to know that, you know, we are here as we have a, you know, to to use the added the purpose field life. There is a there is a you know, we're here to do certain things. And um, and that's you know, that's one thing that I've that I really find fascinating with, you know, with the way that you have, uh, you've embraced being the mayor, you've embraced, embraced leading the, leading the community. Um, you've also, you know, with this business that we have here with Great Falls, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing how that has developed into what it has. Yeah, that, that's been a, a wonderful challenge. It's, we just celebrated our fifth year here. Right. And I felt like if we were going to put the community and the client first, then you had to be a different kind of firm that allowed you to focus on on people and community and not have the noise in the background of somebody else's expectations of what you needed to do for their firm. 
because um, that creates a conflict. So who am I serving? Am I serving the firm behind me or am I serving the client? Right. And then am I serving the community? And uh, I really uh, am thankful that we were able to make that change several years ago. So the client and the community could always come first. And that and, and in that they benefit from from that. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Right. And, and that's not and that's not being disparaging by any any way to any of the, you know, the the large the, the larger firms, if you will, national known firms we see advertised, you know, consistently on the on the on, during the sports uh, sports on Saturdays and Sundays and the golf tournaments and whatever. But um, but with with how that you you did this. What made you know? You said that you wanted to you know really benefit the community more and everything. And all. was there anything else that kind of made you want to want to do the breakaway from the bigger firms and just say I'm going to go and do this by myself or do this do this myself? That was really all client driven. Yeah, is is what it was because I, it, they had processes, really more particularly rules and and regulations on who you were supposed to deal with and how. And I thought that doesn't allow me to serve as wide a range of people as, as I think I ought to be able to in a, in the community in which I live. Right. And uh, when you are not able to serve the community in which you live, then I think you've got, I mean, it's difficult. It'd be a challenge. It felt like a challenge. Right. Well, you know, and you are, I mean, effectively, I mean, the, the, the word that you hear through a lot of the commercials and whatnot is a fiduciary. I mean, you are looking out for your, you are look, putting your clients first and looking out for them and then and, and their bottom line, and then again, not to steal steal mottos and such that I could be sued for, but you know when you know you you do better, you know when they do better, you do better. Correct, and and that that is the key difference. It's right. I am a fiduciary right. in this role. Um, at the prior firm and in a typical uh, sort of firm, you're not a fiduciary, right? So you're required to There's do a bottom line in that you hear here. That's a, it's, it's what you do for the, for the, it's a service. It's you, you are a service where there is your more of a, of a soldier in a, in a, in a big army, so to speak. Exactly. And, and here I'm required to put the client's interest first, right? Which is great because that's, I mean, it aligns the way I think with my responsibility. So there's no longer that conflict right. of, you know, I feel this responsibility to, to do, what is always in the client's best interest. And yet I don't have the tools, right? That was, that could be the situation before I didn't have the tools to do what I thought was best in every situation. Now I do. Right. How'd you come up with a name for Great Falls Wealth Management? I love that question. Um, this is going to take you down the road to history. A yeah, little boy, bit, there we in go. fact, uh, you know, we've got a long textile history here. Richmond County at, at one time was one of the largest textile producing counties in all of the United States. It all began, um, at a really odd geographical landmark that we have right here in Rockingham. We have the highest natural waterfall east of Charlotte in the Carolinas, located a mile, mile and a quarter, right from where we sit right now. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know us back there because it's hidden um, off from the road, but it's a, it's a natural wonder, really. It's, it's so unique. And that waterfall became the water power for the first major textile mill in Richmond County. Oh, wow. It was called Great Falls Mill, and it was the mill that transformed the way everything happened here. It was the mill that transformed us from an agricultural economy into an industrial economy. And it was the mill that made so many people wealthy. It gave so many people jobs. And I thought, uh, yeah, Great Falls is where it all began 
for Rockingham um, after in the years after the Civil War. And uh, it, it seemed to me that that should be honored somehow, both as an unusual landmark and then also as a turning point in our local economy. What was it that Kennedy said about um, the water, about us, about, uh, you know, we come from the water and we return to the water. And that's a, and it can, in, in, in this instance, you know, the, the water, you know, of Great Falls, you know, is, is now spreading out through the community to replenish to, to, you know, what has been, what had been a, a barren land, like when a Clark left or when, you right. know, when several, when the Burlington's left, you know, that different, uh, Safi, you know, when all those guys got, you know, when all those guys shut down and the jobs went away, that you're with that with this now we're able to um, to replenish and 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 come from the from the darkness of a barren land to to steal from T. S. Eliot, um, and so that's really um, that is a positive a positive thing that kind of, that comes from this. It is. It, it's you know hoping that in some small way this practice and the related things I do through the practice can help shape uh, the future of, of Rockingham and Richmond County. Right. Cause we do have um, the gentleman down that's doing the, the refurbishment Ruben that's doing the refurbishment yes. down there as well. Um, how was that, how was that, you know, kind of, kind of helped with, you know, with going down there, cleaning it out and making it, uh, making what it, what it eventually will become, which is going to be a, a place for weddings and, and a venue and whatnot. That's an exciting project, and um, he's he's a real Ruben is a is a real visionary. Very much so. Um, he can look at a piece of property or an opportunity or a building, and see things that other people can't see. He looked at that old mill site with the beautiful waterfall, with the ruins of a mill that burned fifty years ago, and he said uh, he looked at it and said this could be an event venue. Moreover, it's across the street from a couple of motels, hotels. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a natural place for people to stay while they're here for some major family event, like a wedding or a reunion or something like that. And uh, he's working hard to make that happen. And it's going to be a beautiful venue when he's done. He's got a lot of work ahead. Mm -hmm. um, he's hardworking. He's ambitious. Um, he's a fascinating individual. He's really, he really sure incredible to talk to. Yeah. Um, I had the pleasure of talking to him as well. And he just... Just to just to see what the the whole plans and the schematic and and everything that he that he wants to do. I mean, it's just you know the thing that I get in talking to these folks that are you know that are that are these that are these visionaries and whatnot is like, why didn't someone else come up with this? And then it goes back to well, you know, right right people, right time. And I dropped my notes. Um, right people, right time. At, at, you know, and that's the that's really where. Uh, a lot of this comes from is right people in right time. That's right. And that's who, as you know, a mayor, you want to hook up with these people. You want to encourage these people. You mentioned uh, Dr. Spivy, for instance. Um, there's another couple in town, um, the Darlings. The Darlings, yes. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to forget them. And you find people like Ruben Huerta or like uh, Dr. Spivy or like uh, the Darlings. And they are the people that sort of fall in your community um, they, they just sort of land here. And you're so thankful when they do because they're making things happen and you want to meet them and encourage them and find if there are ways you can help. Um, to mention the the Darlings, as you did the, the Dr. Spivy, um, they're, they've just acquired their fourth house oh, in wow. Rockingham. Of course, they're, for the audience, they are 
buying older houses that are in need of a lot of love. That's one of our real assets here is the older architecture. We have beautiful architecture, so much of which goes back to the Victorian era. Mm -hmm. um, homes that are big and stately and beautiful and in some cases in a state of disrepair. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to ride down that main road, Fayetteville Road, and look at it and think, gosh, you know, in 20 years, all these houses are going to be in disrepair. Um, it's easy to lose hope sometimes. Right. When you see people in the community who are stepping up and they're buying these homes and they're renovating them and improving them and finding new owners to come in and love them, and then they move on to the next house and renovate that one, um, that's very exciting to you me. You tell two people, I'll tell people, and so on and so on and so on. Exactly. And that's what ensures that that those houses will not only be maintained, but they'll be beautiful in another 20 years. Because I know we have the one that's at the intersection of Steel, Steel and, and uh, Fayetteville Road right across the street from where the birds live. Right. Uh, that that one, I've been watching that um, that change as, as the months have gone through. It is. And I've spoken with that couple. They're, uh, they're actually going to renovate and live in that house. They're mm -hmm. from New York. Right. Um, all of your listeners who are from outside That's of Richmond right. County, right. make note of this. Right. They were shocked at what uh, at what price, how little they could they could buy a house like that for mm -hmm. here. I think they paid a fifth of what it would have cost in New York. Right. I mean, they were they were stunned by how far the dollar went here, and it left them plenty of additional money for the renovations that they're doing. And I need to meet them personally right. at some point, but. That house is a unique house. It's connected to uh, the University of North Carolina through the Moorhead Scholarship. Mm -hmm. There were um, part of the Moorhead family lived there for a time. Um, cousins of uh, John Motley Moorhead, who created the scholarship. Uh, the builder was a grandnephew of a North Carolina governor. Mm -hmm. um, one of the original residents of that house was um, considered a, a leading candidate for North Carolina uh, governor. A couple of times um, in the 1800s. I mean, just so many good stories about the people who have lived in and around that property. And it's great to see it safe. Is that the one, and I could be wrong, you told me that there's one of the houses that was flipped around. That's the one that was flipped that's around. Okay, that's right. what, okay. tell, tell yeah. that story real quick. Sure. That house was originally built facing, um, for those who live here, East Washington Street, which runs parallel behind it. And in 1899, they decided they would rather face Fayetteville Road, which was, uh, you know, more of a prestigious street, I think, at that time, because a lot of those big houses were being built and they had not built the the really impressive houses on East Washington at that point. So they decided to turn the house around. They put it um, more or less on, on wooden rollers and got together teams of mules oh, wow. and turned it around and drug it to face Fayetteville Road, where it is now, probably drug it uh, 150, 200 yards. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, Just, you know, to think what goes into that now, you know, people having to, you know, move power lines and this, that, it's, you know, that time, of course, no power lines to have to, to go through. That's right. But it, but just a, a house of that, you know, that magnitude being able to, to fl just flip it around and say, okay, now we're happy. Yeah. You know, that's, that's amazing. We've got a couple of minutes left. I did want to mention a couple of things that I'd uh, seen uh, recently. Um, the woods, the woods warehouse. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. What's going to, what's going to try and, what folks are trying to do with that? Sure. And uh, again, you have somebody coming in and taking an older piece of property and doing something wonderful. Now, let me say, it. let me, let me interrupt you real quick there. You actually had a tie in with woods. Yes. Family wise. Yes. 
Uh, once upon a time, there was a five and dime chain, Woods Five and Dime stores. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it really began with my grandfather and a couple of his nephews. And at one time, it was a chain of 37 stores, I believe, across the two Carolinas. And um, in the late 1970s, early 1980s, it was acquired and broken up and then ceased to exist. But the warehouse where all of the goods were stored and shipped to the the 37 different stores uh, was right there um, on the outskirts of Rockingham. Is it right down here up uh, just off of number one south? Is that is that where it is? Or where it is, is as you're climbing the hill. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yep, All right, yeah, right there that. at the uh, intersection of Mill Road Correct. and yeah. US 1 right. in, that, in that fork in the road. We are in, in need of multifamily housing in Rockingham. There's not a lot of undeveloped property where we could put multifamily housing. And somebody has acquired that property and is looking at it as a multifamily housing, multi-unit facility, almost like a... a set of condos under one Mm. giant roof. Cool. The issue we're running into is that the current regulations for that zoning district put a limitation on how many units you could have within that building. And it's it's an enormous building with the potential to hold many more units than what our zoning will allow. Right. So we're going to discuss changing that part of our ordinance at our February meeting. Good. That's yeah. That's good to hear. A lot better. A lot of lot of more a lot more housing. Very much so. One of the um, the the things that I've I've and I've pestered about pestered you about this, um, you know, through through stories and also through through just questioning you. What's the story with Food King? What's coming with Food King? <laughs> that's a very popular question. It is a popular question. If I told you, I'd have to kill you. I right understand. Yep. That's all right. Um, we are actually working hard uh, to find the right um, person to develop that property and in discussions right now. The hope is that it will be not only a restaurant because we love our our, um, our locally owned mm-hmm. and operated restaurants, um, but also it would have space for a couple of retail oh. operations as well. So it, it's got a lot of potential and we are getting closer to having it redeveloped. Good deal, good deal, absolutely. Um, and I guess one of the, the other things um, that I did want to did want to mention to you um, the you've had you've had a good run so far with what's with what you've been doing with the with this with the county and the city um, and you know a lot of we're kind of slowly but surely you know mile you know walk, walk of a thousand miles you know one single step but we're getting there and um, if you you know, can take, you know, a minute and a half or so. And you had something to to say to the folks of Richmond County and across whomever else that will be seeing this. Yeah. Um, my other two fans and in, in here, one of them's my dog. Um, but but what would you what would you say to them about Richmond County to get them to be interested to invest in Rockingham, Richmond County? Something along those lines. If I'm encouraging people to yes, invest yes. here. Yeah. Gosh, where do I start? Because I see so much potential for one thing. Um, I'm always excited about the potential. Um, I think it's a town full of good people. It's a community full of good people. I mean, the the folks you'll meet in the grocery store, you, you may not even know them, but it's it's just always going to be a friendly encounter, a good experience. Um, it's it's an easy town in which to feel comfortable. I think if you look beyond just the immediate town and the immediate opportunity, you, you look at where we are, and we're so well located. Uh, in the Carolinas. I mean, we're an hour and a half from Greensboro, Charlotte, Raleigh, um, two hours from Wilmington. 
uh, we are in the middle of so many major areas, you know, not far from the mountains, two hours from, from Myrtle beach and the, and the coast. Uh, it's a perfect location if you're trying to, to get anywhere else. Um, so it's a great kind of, kind of, uh, literally a crossroads. It is, it yeah. is. And, and that's excellent. I think you can, you're close to so many things without having to deal with necessarily the headaches of traffic that you might have somewhere else or some of the other frustrations that can go along with with living in a community where you don't necessarily know people as well. We don't necessarily have the strong relationships and the friendships and all of that. You can have all those right here. Right. And um, still get to uh, all that Charlotte or Raleigh or Greensboro will offer within uh, half a day and get back home as well. So get to a lot of baseball stadiums. Absolutely. But uh, I would encourage people to, uh, you know, to follow their dreams here as well. We have a lot of locally owned businesses, a lot of local entrepreneurs who've done very well and so much potential for somebody who's willing to open up shop here and work hard. Absolutely. Well, John, I appreciate your uh, your time. I know you're uh, you're quite busy, and you have to shuffle off and with <laughs> with with three with three children and a and a and a wife and everyone going seven different directions each night. I know it's very hard to to get you down, but uh, thank you again for for doing this. Of with course, me. it's a pleasure. Um, all right, folks. Well, that's our interview with John Hutchinson. Uh, greatly appreciate him. Next week, this is a big one coming up. It's a six year anniversary of me losing. The 115 pounds that I lost. Yes, I was a tubby. T- I was a Teletubby. I can tell you. Uh, my good friend, Miss Margaret Solano McGrath from out in uh, Orange County, California, who is my health coach. She uh, will be joining us. So we'll be doing a little 30 minute with her and let her uh, to explain her story and my story. So, uh, so we thank you a lot again for uh, for watching tonight, and we'll see you next week.